Yeah, Heart and Soul Radio with the addiction song. Welcome to your newest addiction. That's Addison Hayes. That's Jake Anderson. I'm John Hogue, and this this is a super flexible podcast. The inaugural episode of the inaugural season. It's week one of the NFL preseason, and boys, the news of the 2017 season so far is the Miami Dolphins quarterback situation. Ryan Tannehill undergoing surgery. Jay Cutler is freshly signed. What does this do, Jake Anderson, to the Miami Dolphins passing game? Well, I think it, it distributes their targets differently. And Jay Cutler's more of a downhill or down downfield type of thrower. So I would say Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills, they're you know their outlook looks a little bit better with with Cutler uh, at quarterback, and I do think it hurts uh, Jarvis Landry a little bit. But as far as production goes, you know you're looking at a quarterback three, and uh, you know I I don't I don't think it's an upgrade nor necessarily a downgrade for that offense. And I think the good thing is that Cutler does know Adam Gase, and he should be familiar with that playbook, so he should be ready to step in and 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 get going behind that offense so you're taking cutler as a quarterback three what about so right now he's sitting on he's likely sitting on waivers for most of the the leagues that have already drafted if you're in a uh, free agent acquisition budget league how much are you going to spend on this guy I'm, i'm spending i'm spending almost all my money here I'm talking very bar, bar minimum, guys. 50% bar minimum. That's insane. Addison, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, I I don't think, unless if you absolutely are desperate for a quarterback, I I really don't see a situation in which I would spend anything really more than 25-30% of what what I have for my budget. Um, I really don't view Cutler to come in here and really do anything that much differently than what Ryan Tannehill has done. Um, and uh, like Jake said, I, I think it, it's more or less uh, going to distribute the targets differently. Stills and Parker get the boost while Landry kind of, you know, takes a hit a little bit and Ajayi still remains the same. But as far as Cutler's production goes, I, I really don't see how he's going to be much different than what Tannehill has done. And I don't view any really any big situation that I would need a guy like Jay Cutler to be on my team unless something happens to one of my you know my elite starters and I have to win now but I just I don't know Jake I don't know why you want so much let me let me give me let me give you my rationale here Addison so we're talking dynasty leagues we're talking super flex leagues we're talking I'd say average roster is 25 26 mm-hmm. we're talking that kind of depth on dynasty rosters what else are you going to be finding on your free agency right so we saw this story unfold months ago with marshawn lynch correct right and i was putting i was i was i was kind of in the same philosophy there and actually twitter and some people kind of talked me off the edge with bidding for Marshawn Lynch. And I was talking, man, he should be worth 75% of your blind bid money. And I didn't. And he ended up going for just over 50% in one of my main leagues that I care a lot about. And look at him now. I mean, the guy that owns him, and I'm not paying this, but he wants at least one first-round pick for him. And I, like I said, I would not pay this, but – a lot of redrafts rankers have him as a RB1, low-end RB1. So for a contender, that has tremendous value for either your team or trade value. So that's that's my perspective here is that if you get Jay Cutler, I don't care if you have three great quarterbacks. You are holding on to somebody that holds a tremendous amount of value in a super flex league because he is a starter. So I'm sure you guys have seen some of the raw, some of the rostered quarterbacks in your super flex leagues. And some of those guys are really ugly, right? So what are the quarterbacks are, are on waiver wires in super flex leagues? That's my question. So it, the answer should be nobody 
<laughs> worth mentioning. So <laughs> I don't care if Cutler plays for one year. I'm spending at least 50% of my blind bid money on Jay Cutler. See, you said it right there. It, I don't view him as having dynasty value. He might play for one year and then what? I'm, I, don't, I don't know what his motivation is. I don't know if he's going to come back next year. I, I just feel like this was kind of a money grab for him real quick. And then Gase, you know, was kind of recruiting him and all that stuff. So I don't I don't really view him as being a dynasty value as a guy that I'm going to be willing to, you know, pay a 2018 second round pick for if I seriously need a quarterback when I can go. And I know next year's draft is loaded with quarterbacks. So I could, you know, turn that second into a first and get a guy like Sam Darnold, anything like that. And even if I if I tank or something like that, if if because if I don't have a quarterback, instead of spending a second or if the guy wants a first round pick for him, uh, I mean, my first could be much more valuable come, you know, draft time next year. And I just I really don't don't know. <laughs> what are you trying yeah. to get for him if you have him? I, I, you never know, and that's that's the story. All all I know is how valuable quarter starting quarterbacks are in superflex leagues, and you can be bottom of the barrel. You can be the thirty second best quarterback, and you're still out producing some top echelon talent in this league for skill position. So, your quarterback situation might be fine, but I guarantee you, someone's going to go down during the season at least one quarterback, if not multiple quarterbacks are going to go down. And now you're sitting on a landmine just because you have a starting quarterback in a super flex league. So it's that simple. Bring it back to Tannehill for a second, because, you know, Addison, you made the point that, that Cutler holds no dynasty value. He's a, he's a one year mercenary. I'm wondering if that's necessarily true. I'm not completely convinced that Ryan Tannehill just automatically walks back into this job. First of all, that that knee issue is becoming chronic. I mean, you know, this this definitely hinges on the idea that he finally gets the surgery done. He should have got the surgery done last year. Um, maybe he actually goes through with it this time. Go ahead and just chalk up the 2017 season as a total loss and actually get it done but either way i mean you're looking right now at a at a quarterback who does rely a certain amount on his mobility with bad knees and let's be honest he wasn't exactly setting the world on fire before listen ryan Tannehill is extremely underrated i think in my opinion this is a guy who in three of the last four years not including last year, has thrown for over 4,000 yards. He had 3,900 in 2013, but that's basically 4,000. So 4,000 yards, the guy puts up 25 or more touchdowns a year. His interceptions stay under 15. His uh, passer rating is up around 90 every year. And the only reason that he's not looked at more is because he plays for Miami, and Miami really hasn't done anything in real football, and he's not... Right, playoff team. They they came in the playoffs last year, right? But before before mm-hmm. that, they're they're kind of meh. But as far as fantasy goes, like you said, he's not lighting the world on fire, but he is a consistent producer, I think, in my opinion. And I just I personally, if there are guys out there like Josh McCown is still getting a job, I I think Tannehill, if not with the Dolphins, as much as I hope that he will stay with the Dolphins and have faith that he will, um. He can definitely find a job somewhere else, and that's why I think Cutler gets kicked to the curb next year when Tannehill comes back. Let me ask you, Jake. So Jay Cutler performs the way he did in 2015, the last time he was paired up with Adam Gase. Who's the starting quarterback next year of the Miami Dolphins? I think it depends if Jay Cutler wants to return. That's going to be a big part of the question, but I'm with I'm with you, John. I I. I've never been a big Tannehill fan. He turned, He's going to be 30 at this time next year, coming off of major knee surgery as a running quarterback, and we know how Addison feels about running quarterbacks relying on their legs. He's not a guy that I'm invested in whatsoever, and that's another part of you know the 
my rationale with it going big, going hard on Jay Cutler and, and blind bids. Uh, so I'm staying away from uh, Tannehill. All right. So back to the to the Fab issue with uh, with Jay Cutler. Here's what I'm curious of in a 12 team dynasty superflex league. So we've got quarterback competitions, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this in just a minute. But in Houston, you've got two guys. In Cleveland, you've got three guys. In Denver, you've got two guys, potentially three. Um, you've got you've got rookies in Chicago and Kansas City. Uh, these are so these are all guys who could easily find the field in 2017. Are are all of those guys currently rostered? Oh, absolutely. Really. Like, I mean, AJ McCarron, uh, Cody Kessler, Brock Osweiler, all these guys are going to be rostered. I mean, that's what I'm. Mm-hmm. That's my point about Cutler. The the quarterbacks on the waiver wire in superflex leagues. If you're playing with people that at least know what they're doing, are non-existent. I mean, I would say half of the backup quarterbacks at mm-hmm. least are rostered in most 12 team superflex leagues so I, that's why i think you're sitting on a gold mine with color and even if you don't like him or if you're not going to start him on your team there's going to come a point in the time of the year where you can sell him for something and how often do you get something off of waivers uh and again you can you certainly can get get some players I and mean, tyree kill was you know on waivers he went undrafted and and you could probably pick him up before the season started last year for free. But that's a complete dart throw that you just lucked out on. We know what Cutler is. He's a starting quarterback for a playoff team last year. Uh, so, like I said, I, I wouldn't mind you spending 90% of your blind bid money on Jay Cutler if you need a quarterback, especially. That's the thing, though. I there There are always those guys that end up on waivers. Cameron Meredith last year was a waiver type guy. Hunter Henry might have been a waiver type guy. Um you know, you mentioned Tyreek Hill, Jordan Howard could have been uh so I mean, there's so many of these guys that you, Terrell Pryor was likely a, a a waiver type of guy. I I I'm just so hesitant here in week 1 of the preseason to spend that big of a chunk of of my fab of my budget on um on a guy that i don't necessarily even need knowing full well that there's going to be some somebody that i could potentially use coming up you know in the next two or three months um that is is going to be a a much more uh pertinent purchase for me i completely agree (laughs) (laughs) You're both wrong. I think that's that's <laughs> just the answer to that question. Okay, easy enough. <laughs> no, I, I under I certainly understand your guys' logic. I just, for me, there's a certainty there. There's a certainty, and you are getting him for all 16 games if he stays healthy. You are locked and loaded with a dynasty asset that is going to be valuable for 16 games. Those guys, you don't, you just, you don't know. I mean, how many guys do you pick up in dynasty leagues off the waiver wire that turn out to anything? I'm not saying it can't happen, but there's 11 other teams that are also picking up people on on waivers. So your chances of picking up some rookie, you know, that's on waivers and and busting onto the scene and and being more valuable than a starting quarterback in a superflex league is slim to none for me. So I'm taking the safe play with, with and I don't think 50% is is that outrageous whatsoever because uh, I just, I just all those guys that you're mentioning, mm-hmm. a lot of people are picking those guys up for not that much money, not, not 50% or more of your, of your blind bid money. So um, I'm sitting tight and, and, and I'll be putting in some, putting in some bids for color for sure. Even as your quarterback four, absolutely because some not everyone has depth at quarterback, and like I said, injuries are going to come up and bye weeks come up and people get desperate and playoff pushes come, and you'll be able to flip Jay Cutler for something, and you don't always get a chance to flip a waiver wire guy for something. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you because I do agree with what you're saying. Like imagine. 
last year, if if you're sitting on Jay Cutler and week 14 rolls around, week 15, Marcus Mariota, Derek Carr go down, and you're sitting on Jay Cutler and that guy is making a playoff push, I can definitely see it in, in that sort of situation. I'm, I just don't know if I want to base picking up Jay Cutler on the fact that I can flip him for something. That That's just how I am viewing this right now because I don't like to make moves based on the fact that I can make another move with that move I'm making now in the future. And that's how I would view Jay Cutler. Yeah, and I understand that. But from my point of view, I want valuable commodities on my roster. And I don't care what position they're playing in. I don't care if they're sitting on my bench, right? Depth is great. Depth always happens. Injuries happen. So I don't care. I personally don't care if he's not starting on my team or if I have the intention to flip him because I know he's going to sustain value. Um, So that's where I'm at. It's going to be an interesting debate for the next couple, uh, for the next few weeks, I I think, Uh, maybe even the coming months. I mean, I think that if you're relying, if you were relying somehow on Ryan Tannehill, then uh, Jay Cutler is absolutely worth every single penny, um, every bit of ninety percent of your budget. Otherwise, um, I think we're going to have to leave it for the moment as an agree to disagree because we need to move on to the week one of the preseason. Um, looking around the NFL, uh, we've got three three major quarterback competitions right now. I mean, we, we named a handful of others that could be up in the air at some point, you know, Mike Glennon and, and Mitchell Trubisky, that could be, that could turn into a little bit of a, con- a controversy at some point in the season. Um, Mahomes and Smith in Kansas city could become one, but right now we've got three very, very active and very live quarterback competitions uh, first of all, in Houston, Tom Savage looks like he's, uh, in, in fact, um, the coaching staff has said he's clearly ahead of rookie Deshaun Watson. In Cleveland, all signs point to Brock Osweiler starting game one for the Cleveland Browns. In fact, I believe they, they announced that he will be starting um, the first preseason game. Um, but Deshaun Kaiser is keeping it close. And for Denver... Trevor Simeon is, for all intents and purposes, pulling away from Paxton Lynch. That's not much of a statement, but uh, for what it's worth, Trevor Simeon currently is running with the number ones. Addison, who is going to be the week one regular season starter for the Houston Texans? In my opinion, I think it's clearly Tom Savage. I think it's been Tom Savage even since Deshaun Watson has was drafted and not be, uh, not as a knock on Deshaun Watson, but I just think it's it's the Texans' uh, intent to move him along slowly, um, develop him into the offense, uh, similar to what the Rams I think tried to do with Jared Goff last year. But I'm I'm not a huge Deshaun Watson person, but I do recognize the talent and I recognize that he should be better than Tom Savage. So I, I think it's more or less of them just bringing him along slowly, and he could be the starter by week three, week four. But Tom Savage, I think, clearly has the role for at least week one. The star of that team, at least on the offensive side of the ball, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, his his supporters behind Tom Savage. So um, keep an eye on that. That's a powerful thing for sure. Um, Jake, what about Cleveland? Who starts week one of the regular season in Cleveland? Oh, can I just sigh here? <laughs> <laughs> you definitely oh, can. This is a this is an ugly situation, and I think people really ex- having high expectations out of Cleveland offense anywhere besides Isaiah Crowell are are going to be disappointed. Uh, you know what? I thought Ke- Cody Kessler played. Better than I thought he would last year. Yep. Uh, but there hasn't been a lot of news on him. Um, Osweiler, we know what he is. He was god-awful last year. And I'm personally probably as low on Kaiser as anybody out there. So that's that's not <laughs> – I'm not your guy to talk about Deshaun Kaiser starting in that offense. I think he's extremely inconsistent. And I just have a gut thing about Deshaun Kaiser, just listening to a lot of the things that he said 
in the pre-draft uh, season, he just rubbed me the wrong way. And and I and again, I can't even necessarily explain it, but I just do not like that guy. And I don't like I don't like his prospects of being a leader of a football team. Jeff Risden actually just pointed this out on Twitter today. And, and again, it's, it's nothing really that carries too much weight. But he did say that the, the difference between uh, Cody Kessler's arm strength and the zip and velocity thrown on the ball compared to Brock Osweiler was similar to the difference between Matthew Stafford and Brad Kaya. So we'll see. I mean, it depends. It seems like they want Corey Coleman to – to you know, uh, spread that offense out and be the deep threat, and Kenny Britt to be more of the reception guy. So, I think it depends on what they're trying to get out of their quarterback. If they're trying to get more of a game manager, uh, you know, that can be a high pass rating and not take many chances, then it's Cody Kessler. And if you want to give Osweiler another shot, then I guess he's your guy with a little bit bigger arm. So Kaiser doesn't figure into their plans at this point. He he very he very well might. It's, it's just something like I said. It's something about him that I'm just not a fan of, and I just don't I just don't see it. So it, I know there's a lot of guys in the industry that I respect that like him a lot and thinks he thinks he has a chance to be special. I just personally, there's just something about him that I I, I stay away from. It's interesting. Cody Kessler was is kind of the forgotten man at this point, and like you said, he. He performed actually really well last year, um, all things considered. Uh, so it's it's interesting that um, you know it's Os- it's Brock Osweiler starting the preseason game. It's Deshaun Kaiser's closing the gap, but the the talk about Cody Kessler is just at a whisper at this point. Um, I, that that feels like a mistake on behalf of the Browns, but. Uh, that's that's just me i guess and as far as the denver broncos go um i can tell you guys from first-hand knowledge that uh this is what do the kids say these days dumpster fire it's a dumpster fire this is a total (laughs) absolute nightmare and uh it's it's really strange actually to have one of the all-time great quarterbacks running your organization he built the best offense in the history of the league and then two years later he he was the architect of one of the best defenses in the history of the league he did all that in about 36 months yet he cannot john la cannot find and develop a quarterback he can't do it uh it looks like trevor simeon gets a start by default but i mean man it Where's Tim Tebow when you need him at this point? I I don't know. I feel like I'm in a very small camp that actually thought that Trevor Simeon did well last year. I don't know if you're in that camp as well, John. I actually am, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Paxton Lynch had a lot of a lot of uh, hype coming out of college and I mean, I I guess his tape was pretty good. I didn't I don't really have an opinion on Paxton Lynch. He looked all right last year and uh, the little time that he played, but I watched a lot more of Trevor Simeon last year than I actually intended to. And from what I saw from him, he he actually performed pretty well. And my Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas shares, um, they were sad at some points, but I mean, it, there were there was more good than bad. And he threw for thirty thirty four hundred yards last year. His touchdown and interceptions weren't really um, all that great, but I think it's still Trevor Simeon's job until proven otherwise. And Paxton Lynch certainly isn't doing anything to really um, take the reins away from from Simeon. I mean, some people might be calling for Chad Kelly, but I think as of right now, it, it's clearly Trevor Simeon, and it, I think personally, it should have always been. Yeah, I mean, last year, he, he, you have to keep in mind too that you know we're going to talk about Sam Bradford in a few minutes and uh the fact that his offensive line had him running for his life last year what trevor simeon was working with last year wasn't a whole lot better 
So, you no, know, Trevor Simeon actually performed extremely well last year, but the difference was last year he came into training camp and he flat out outplayed Mark Sanchez every single day. And that's what they were looking for this year. You, you know, you've, you've Paxton Lynch has the, he was the first round pick. He's got the pedigree. He's got a big arm. He's mobile. But he made a horrible first impression on the uh, the new coaching staff here in Denver, and the guy can't the you can't even script more than one play at a time for the guy. He can't he can't remember more than one play at a time. He's he's struggling so poor so bad. So the fact that. Trevor Simeon doesn't come out and just grab that job the way he did last year is actually extremely frustrating because at this point we know he's capable of it he just for some reason it's not happening and that's frustrating people to a point of actually considering starting Paxton Lynch who should not be a starting quarterback in the NFL at this point you made a better pick this year with Mr. Irrelevant yeah, and that's the guy that, that I think people need to focus on right now because I'd imagine Jack Kelly's owned in almost all Superflex leagues, but not all of them. So I think he's a guy that you scoop up because there's a lot of, just like John was going over, there's a lot of questions <laughs> for those Denver quarterbacks. And if if Jack Kelly can get healthy and, and learn that offense and, and keep his nose clean off the field, man, the talent is there. And with those targets, that's a – and I think that's what people expected to see out of Paxton Lynch is you got you see this guy that has mobility. He's got a very strong arm. He's got weapons all over the place. I mean, people are drooling at that potential, and it's just too sad that he's got uh, a sack of rocks for brains and can't digest <laughs> a playbook and and can't you know can't he can't keep his nose clean off the field and and he's got a little bit of that party mentality. So uh, yeah, keep your eyes out on Chad Kelly for 2018. Yeah, that push could come as early as to the 2017. In fact, if uh, if they fall out of playoff contention, watch for a push for Chad Kelly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, if as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I wouldn't but, be shocked either. I, I would. I would prefer him just to have a clean slate going into next year. Yep. Uh, not be forced into a situation where he's dealing with a team that's struggling and some fans that are apprehensive about the quarterbacks they just had to watch all year. I, I, I'd almost rather have him sit, learn that playbook, and then maybe he could be the savior come this time next year. That's the plan. All right, we talked about the Broncos way more than. Uh... Well, You're I could, a Broncos I, homer. I could talk about the Broncos forever. I, I'm <laughs> sure that other people are bored to tears by this, but I could talk about the Broncos exclusively. But anyway, so let's move on to a segment that we like to call Your Nuts. And the goal here, this is basically a bold prediction, a plausible one, but still a bold prediction from each one of us. And the goal is to make your 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 fellow co-hosts say you're nuts man i don't know why you could possibly think that that's a a realistic scenario and then prove to them that it actually is so let's start with you addison what's your bold prediction for the quarterback position for 2017 my bold prediction for 2017 is that Carson Palmer, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, will be a top five quarterback in 2017. Um, this is a guy who actually in 2015 was the QB5 that year. And last year, injury riddled, uh, lost John Brown. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald at the second half of the year didn't really perform all too well. He came out to be the QB19 last year. And so this is more of a bold prediction that the and the fact that the Arizona Cardinals as a team will bounce back from what they did last year. And with all the weapons around him, they got they still have Larry Fitzgerald. John Brown comes back and repeats what he was able to do in 2015. We saw last year what David Johnson can do in the receiving game. Maybe if Jerome Brown gets healthy, Jermaine Gresham plays a full, effective 16 games. Um, I mean, I really like the Arizona Cardinals overall as a team for 2017. And I think that if Carson Palmer can stay healthy, 
he can definitely be the ringleader of that team and finish as a top five quarterback. You're nuts. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're nuts. <laughs> you're nuts, buddy. It, I, I do, I do see some positive regression for their Arizona Cardinals offense, but that age cliff can be pretty severe sometimes. And I think we may have seen it with Carson Palmer last year. And he's 37 years old and he's, he's gotten banged up throughout his career. And like I said, a lot, a lot of times those age cliffs are pretty severe. Once you see them, it's hard to, you know, bounce back at that age. We haven't seen that from Tom Brady or Drew Brees, but I think once we see that kind of drop off, and quarterback 19 isn't all that bad, but for the expectations he had coming off of a top five year the year before, it was pretty brutal last year. And they do have tons of, of talent. My my biggest concern is just is can he stay healthy for 16 games? And I, I'm not willing to bet on that. And even if he does, I think top five is out of the question. And beyond that, to me, this offense – now more than ever, runs through David Johnson. It starts and ends with David Johnson. I don't know where the opportunities are going to come for, come from for Carson Palmer, other than some dump offs to David Johnson. I mean, he's you know Fitzgerald's going to be involved. John Brown's going to be involved, of course, but uh, David Johnson is is going to be the focal point of this offense, and uh, this defense is going to put you in a position where you're you're salting away the clock where you're where you're running the ball especially late in the game um i i don't i don't know man i don't i don't see a path for carson palmer to to get enough opportunities uh to get to top five i totally agree (laughs) i'm sorry you guys feel that way because i have full belief in carson palmer yeah i I really i really do um i just and just for the listeners out there, I think they should just know. And I mean, they'll get to know Addison, but just just to give them <laughs> a little Sizzle preview, take. they will realize that Addison will never admit that he could possibly be wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna have some fun with Addison along the way. But I think everyone needs to know that Addison is a firm believer in everything that he says. I am everything I say. I'm not just saying it just because. I like to argue. I actually believe this stuff. So I do believe that Carson Palmer can be top five. I think the Cardinals realize that their window of opportunity for a Super Bowl is closing quickly. And if Carson Palmer stays healthy, all the weapons around him, I don't think a repeat of 2015 is out of the question. And so that's why I believe that he could be a top five quarterback this year in 2017. So sorry you guys feel the way that you do. (laughs) I'm not wrong, like Jake said. So we'll see you guys at the end of 2017 with Carson Palmer's top five QB. I want a written apology, Addison, at the end of this year. I'll write one for every hot take that I'm wrong. <laughs> All right, you're you definitely nuts. But uh, all right, let's hear yours, Jake. Save us. So m- my hot take, and and I don't know how hot it necessarily is, but. Um, I'm sure some Bortles truthers would think it'd be rather hot. My my hot take is that Bortles only starts six games this year, and it's not due to injury. I think there's a chance that he plays so poorly in that offense that he gets pulled by week six. And, you know, people are going to be firing bullets at me because two years ago he was quarterback four and last year he was quarterback nine. But I've never been a believer in in Bortles, and I think there's such a big disparity between the difference between a fantasy quarterback and an actual quarterback that if you get blinded too much about those statistics, you're really not seeing what's going on on the field. And there's been bad reports about his OTAs, and I think there's a lot of hopes for this team, not just the offense but the defense. And there's a, there's a couple things that could hold him up from for for getting pulled by week six. And if if this team starts one one and five, I think I think they and if it's Bortles' fault, which I could totally see it being, since that defense is much better, and he has plenty of weapons around him, I think he could get pulled by by week six, and they just turn over the keys to Henny to just uh, just to get him out of there. God, see, it's so <laughs> I don't know. You're like half nuts. 
<laughs> okay, so I don't I don't think you're crazy in the fact that you can see Bortles being pulled next year. I'm just not sure if it's going to be within six games. I think that the Jaguars are actively, actively trying to be a run-first defensive team, and that's going to mean that Bortles is not going to have so much opportunity to completely suck. And I just think six games is such a short amount of time that I, I'm not sure if Doug Marone is going to really pull him after six games. He just he would have to be. He loves to throw. Terrible. He loves to throw interceptions, and that's exactly what's going to drive Tom Coughlin absolutely nuts. Right. You know, he wants to run the ball. He wants to play have a game manager at quarterback. He wants to protect Bortles, and I don't think Bortles can help himself to just make bad decisions on the field. And I, I, do I necessarily think it's going to happen? No, but it's a hot take. And that's, that's my stance is, is it, if it's, if I say 12 games then that's maybe that's not a hot take anymore. So I had to be bold there. And uh, again, I don't necessarily see it happening, but I could see it happening. It feels like there was some momentum behind this last year. Towards the end of last year, there was some talk about, about getting Chad Henney in there, um, just to just to give these guys some some kind of pulse, some kind of juice, you know. So I I don't know the the leash might be pretty short on Blake Bortles going into this season. Um, that's number one. Uh, number two, the first six games for Jacksonville looks like at at New England, at home against Tampa Bay and Carolina at Atlanta, at Houston, and then back home for the Tennessee Titans. So that's a pretty the, brutal schedule. Those are some good to, defenses, too. Good Not defense. just good offenses, but some good defense he's going to be going up against. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, there's a definite – there's definitely an angle there. Um, the, the, I guess the one place where I would say that you're nuts is, to me, the target would be week eight, which is their bye that's sure. typically where you make a quarterback switch. So, so, but that's what makes it so bold to do it two weeks before the bye. Is uh, that's a big statement. So, he would have to be that bad, and I firmly believe he could. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah, he he's been pretty bad in the past. So, my hot take is uh, Sam Bradford. Outscores. I've I've actually said this on the Fantasy Fellas podcast already, so it's not actually a uh, a big surprise anymore. But here it is anyway. Sam Bradford outscores Matt Ryan this year in fantasy points. You're, you're nuts. I'm just you're nuts. There. But I was gonna say, but for me, but for me, you're a little nuts because I'm a firm believer that that Falcons offense is due for some serious negative regression after. Yep. Shanahan leaving and Matt Ryan put up a historical year last year which he hasn't come close to producing his whole career so he's certainly due for some negative regression my only concern with Sam Bradford and I do like Sam Bradford um, and I think he's a little bit undervalued in in super flex and dynasty leagues but my concern is where he's going to need a big improvement is on third downs his third down efficiency was really bad last year and i know that they weren't in very good uh they weren't in very good positive situations and they were in third and long a lot because they had no running game to speak of and also his his red zone efficiency was really bad last year so if if he can improve that and i think hopefully an improved offensive line and a better running game will help that but um those are my big concerns about Bradford. If if he can do that and uh, increase his statistics, I think he's got a shot there. Uh, John, you're absolutely nuts. I'm. You're not a little nuts. You're absolutely nuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this we were discussing this actually before before we started recording. But this isn't a knock on Sam Bradford, and this isn't Matt Ryan love. It's just strictly historical. Um, Sam Bradford, his best year statistically um, was last year, and he was the QB 22. His best year in fantasy was back in St. Louis, and he was the QB 17. Um, Outside of that, he's never been a top 20 quarterback. And if you're looking at Matt Ryan's numbers, he has never 
finished outside the top 20. And while, yes, last year was a statistical outlier in uh, for Matt Ryan uh, and the Super Bowl hangover is, is real, um, I believe it was Mitchell Renz on his podcast who said that the Super Bowl hangover is about a 20% uh, deduction across the board. And that 20% reduction actually equates to Matt Ryan regressing back down to his mean. And him regressing back down to the mean is still a 4,500-yard, about 26-touchdown passer. And to me, that's not, that's not Sam Bradford's game. And especially, yeah, Dalvin Cook comes in, and he will have you know, an effect in the passing game as well. And if Bradford uh, throws just a little bit more in a touchdown pass, um, then he could you know, step up his game to the next level. But I don't see him stepping up the game to Matt Ryan next level. So, sorry, John, you're nuts. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just like I said on the fellas, this is just as much, this is equal parts endorsement from, for Sam Bradford and indictment of Matt Ryan. Like Jake said, I, I see an, a regression coming from Matt Ryan. You know, there's already the Super Bowl hangover. And then you lose your offensive coordinator, and they just—they really haven't done a whole lot to improve that that offense around him. You know, you've got Julio Jones is the primary target, and he's elite—the elite of the elite, um, quite possibly the best in the league uh, when he's healthy. That rarely happens. Um, his entire career has been marked by injuries, and not a whole lot around him beyond that. Um, this is also really good Atlanta defense, and I mean, typically when you look at a defense, when when the defense is is the strength of your team, that usually means it usually equates to a stronger running game and less need to pass. And so, you know, for all those reasons, I see that negative regression coming from Matt Ryan. And then as far as Sam Bradford goes, first of all, this offensive line could not possibly be any worse than it was last year. There has to be improvement. Just It's just basic science. There's no possible way for them to not improve. The, the running game all of a sudden becomes something that you have to, that you have to account for, um, especially down around the goal line. You have to respect this running game when it's Dalvin Cook as opposed to, you know, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Asiata, and then just the weapons that Sam Bradford has, and a full a full camp with Shermer as his offensive coordinator. Uh, this is that's something he didn't have last year. He he lost his offensive coordinator. What Jake six games into the season? Six games in, and plus that Norv Turner before he retired. That whole offense was catered to Teddy Bridgewater. So yeah. <laughs> there was not only a lot of debate between Norv Turner's play calling and Pat Shermer, who was familiar with Sam. It, there was That was a really tough situation he walked into last year. And I was, I was really, really happy of the way he handled himself last year. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, I mean, this year, there's just – there's just uh, – all the arrows are pointing up for me as far as Sam Bradford goes. I think he's got all the weapons in the world. You know, we're talking about a possible breakout season for Laquan Treadwell. Um, don't forget about Michael Floyd when he comes back. That's that's one of my my deep sleepers at the wide receiver position. They still have one of the best red zone targets in the league with Kyle Rudolph, and they added another one with Bucky Hodges. There's just there are just so many weapons at Sam Bradford's disposal, and above all else, don't discount the fact this this is one of my favorite fantasy football strategies is to zero in on those guys in a walk year. Sam Bradford not only is in a contract year right now, he also has a guy behind him who he never did outplay him. He never beat Teddy Bridgewater for that job. He just happened to to be the savior when Teddy's knee exploded. So now we're next year, you know, what do you do if you're the Minnesota Vikings? Do you, do you 
stick with Teddy Bridgewater? Do you re-sign Sam Bradford and commit a ton of money to the quarterback position between two guys? So Sam Sam Bradford is auditioning for a starting job. It's whether it's in Minnesota or somewhere else. So that's and that's a powerful force, boys. I just don't see it. I'm sorry, John. I just I just don't see it whatsoever. <laughs> Apology not accepted. I like but... your passion though, John. <laughs> yeah. One thing that we found uh in the weeks leading up to this recording, um this inaugural episode is that I have for some reason having never been to the Midwest, I still have uh quite a bit of uh Midwestern blood flowing through these these uh, mile-high veins for some reason. I don't know where that came from, but um, I guess let's cheers with a hot dish, don't you know? All right. uh, that, that's why you're a good person, John. <laughs> All right, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys go at it for a minute. So we call this segment Face Off, and this is based on you guys' rankings, you guys' super flex 2QB rankings. And uh, I, I found a huge discrepancy on one Cameron Newton, where Jake ranks him number three in Superflex Dynasty. Addison, you rank him number 12. And I am really curious how we got so far apart. So, Jake, tell me what's up with Cam Newton. Well, he's obviously a, a, a monster quarterback, and he's shown that he is a high echelon type of fantasy producer throughout his career. Let's let's just start this off. Let's just go through his year-end finishes for his career. Should we do that first? Does that sound does that sound fair, Addison? Go for it, Jake. Right, rookie, I can't argue rookie, this one. Go rookie for it. season, rookie season, quarterback four. Twenty twelve, quarterback four. Twenty thirteen, quarterback three. Had a little bit of a dip in fourteen, which he bit. only played, which he only played fourteen games in, mind you. Finished uh, quarterback 17, and then 2015, uh, quarterback 1 after being quarterback 17. And then last year, he had an, his, probably his worst year, uh, but but ended up being the same as 2014. Uh, he ended up as quarterback 17, playing just just over 14 games last year. So <laughs> that's the... <laughs> He's 28 years old, and he's coming into camp in the best shape he has ever come into camp in. He's he's leaned up a little bit. The guy can throw the ball a mile, a mile, and his accuracy, I understand, isn't the greatest in the world, but he's he's a monster. He's 6'5", 245 pounds. He's 28 years old. He's still in the prime of his athletic athletic career. I, I just don't understand the recency bias, bias that's going on with Cam Newton. He's clearly a top. If you want to drop him down, sure, I understand if you want to make him a quarterback five or six or seven. I get it. But quarterback 12 is just – it's ridiculous. It's, it's, I, I just don't understand how you can put him that low. Uh, is it my turn now? Can we stop with the Cam love? <laughs> Let's hear it. All right, first of all, I'd like to say that not only do I believe that he should be closer to QB12, but 68% of the fantasy population also believes that as well. Um, thank you for that Twitter poll, Jake. <laughs> yeah, we all know what to think about Twitter polls. If you're judging your your dynasty life off of Twitter polls, you're doing it wrong, Addison. You're I'm doing it wrong. Hey, I'm just saying. This is just <laughs> another piece in the argument here. Um. Okay, but so while I can't argue with him being a top five quarterback four out of the six years that he has been in the league, I can argue that the there are signs pointing in a very downward spiral for Cam Newton. Um, last year, be it maybe the the Super Bowl hangover and him having the coming off of the best year of his career, um, in which he broke a lot of his own personal records. Um, I just don't I don't see how I can view him as a top 10 quarterback, top 8 quarterback, let alone being the QB3 when the the Carolina Panthers are actively trying to move him a, away from running the ball. And last year 
um, kind of showed that when you take away the run game for, for him, that he's not as effective. Last year, to put in some stats into here, last year was his worst year statistically um, running the ball. He had 90 rushing attempts for 359 yards. And both of those were career lows for him. Um, and actually, the previous time that he finished as a QB 17, he had 103 rushing attempts for 539 rushing yards. And in both years, he had five rushing touchdowns. Both of those totals are the two worst in his career. Outside of that, he's never rushed for less than 110 rushing attempts and anything less than 580 yards and nothing less than six touchdowns. So if if the Panthers are actively trying to move him away from running the ball, where essentially his entire fantasy value lies, then I'm not sure if he can get it done with his arm, similar to how other mobile quarterbacks do, like Russell Wilson or... Uh, Marcus Mariota, even Dak Prescott, maybe. Um, but sorry, I had to throw that Dak one in there. But oh it was just—it's kind of a maybe. Oh, I still getting t- disgusting. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm just not sure if he can get it done with his arm when they're when the Panthers are trying to move him away from running the ball to protect him from taking more hits. And actually, this argument um, when when we brought it up before. About, what was it, about a week or two ago. Um, this argument actually spurred on, I'm trying to do a case study now, looking at quarterbacks' lifespans, given if they are a, a running quarterback or a more of a pocket passer. And running quarterbacks' life, like career spans, they start to hit a cliff at 31, 32 years old, whereas n- traditional pocket passers, that, that age cliff is more 35, 36 and if you look at it from a rushing attempt standpoint, Cam Newton has blown the rushing attempts out of the water as far as the quarterback is concerned. Only The only one he's chasing right now is Michael Vick. And that, I'm sure, will not keep up as he keeps getting older. And the Panthers are trying to move that back. And so... I don't know. I just don't, I just don't see him getting the job done as a passer when his career passing completion percentage is 58% and he averages 3,600 yards and around 20 passing touchdowns. Yeah. That's, this is all his floor though. That's my argument. And if you're going to talk about last year and his rushing attempts, what do you say about the year in 2014 when he had 103 and that was his second lowest. And then he bounced back and had 10 touchdowns the next year. You, I understand they might not rush him as much, but he's the goal line back in that offense. This is the best offense he has ever been a part of. They offered they offered a, a Christian McCaffrey. They drafted him in the top ten this year. Dynamic athlete. He's going to help him uh, with his completion percentage. He hasn't been the best at dump off passes, but there's been no one to dump off to. They also drafted Curtis Samuel in the second round. They have some speed on this offense. And talking about him not running more and the coaches not wanting him to run as much, Cam Newton already came out and, and poo-pooed on that on that take. He said that's like trying to take the roar out of the Lions. So you can't just try to change a player like that. That's just who he is. And I understand that you think his career might not be as long as others. But you also have Drew Brees as your quarterback four, I think. <laughs> so let's now talk about lifespan for dynasty quarterback ranks here. So a couple another a couple more statistics for you here, Addison. Only five quarterbacks had more top ten weeks last year than Cam did last last year. And that's in a down year. Also, was fourth in quarterbacks with average weekly ranks. Okay, so his weekly points uh, per game last year was fourth, um, and he's he's averaged twenty points per game in his career. I just don't understand how this guy with this career arc and these kind of statistics that he's put up in his career is at quarterback twelve for you. This is a this is a tough one. So the goal for me is typically to um, to decide which one of you is right. Uh, although you both present convincing arguments, um, unfortunately, neither one of you is right. I've got him honestly <laughs> ranked at seven point five. I have I can't tell you how the point five 
uh, occurs, man. but uh, but it did right right in the middle of you guys. It's amazing. Is that your average uh, rank position? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's uh, your ARP. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't so, think you were that old, John. <laughs> <laughs> somehow sam bradford also got a 0.5 somewhere so he got an extra 0.5 just for being so awesome oh, i love that that is <laughs> such a good answer john uh yeah i'm 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 not gonna i'm not gonna walk the the razor's edge quite so much most of the time but in this particular case i honestly I I don't know exactly where I would have Cam Newton. Um I know it's somewhere in between the two of you. Uh I don't know if it would be if it would be 6 or 8 though. So uh so I can't I can't award a uh a win to either one of you on this. Uh, this is our inaugural season. We can't have a winner and a loser walking away on this first one. Everybody wins on the super flexible podcast. I'm pretty so, sure that's not the way it's going to go. Yeah, we definitely, <laughs> Very we rarely. So let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy this well, one. We, we all know that Addison's going to say he won regardless of what you say or what anybody else says. So Correct. I won the first argument and I won this one too. So. Oh God. There it is. There it Wait, is. John, John, can we do something real quick? I just want to see where you are in comparison to, to other quarterbacks. Okay. So I feel like you would have Rogers and luck. Ahead of him, right? Sure. Russell Wilson. Uh, ahead of Cam? No. Yes. No, I would not. Really? I, I would not. Yeah, but I would have Derek Carr, um, Jameis Winston, possibly Marcus Mariota. Um, I think Mariota is a lock for sure above Cam. Yeah, lock. That, that's, that's ridiculous. That's lock. That's ridiculous. I like I like Mariota, but a lock? This, what are you talking about? A lock. <laughs> How is he a lock? A lock. Dynasty lock. Yeah, your lock's about to be broken, pal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marietta's yeah. about to take it to a whole new level. And I think I think personally, not to mention just the fact that he's also younger, but he's going to follow the Cam Newton career arc, I believe. As he hasn't potential. even sniffed his career arc. Exactly. He's gonna not he's gonna close. get in there. Yeah, he's going to get up in there. Yeah, his absolute upside is Cam Newton's, like, middle of the road. Not his downside, but middle of the road. No way. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Marcus Mariota. You think Marcus Mariota ever puts up QB1 season in his career? I don't know about QB1. Or how about a four? How about a couple fours and a three? Good luck. Good luck with that one. Easily. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk. Easily. Hey, you you have I don't want to hear it. Where do you have Mariota? I have my Yeah, you have we have a four right behind Cam. I don't want to hear that. I know. I like Mariota. I'm just giving you listen, I just don't understand why and I like I said, I've liked Mariota a lot. I'm just giving you a hard time. But I just don't understand how you can like Mariota that much and dislike Cam Newton that much. That's yeah. all. To compare the two. Cam Newton is in an offense right now where his number one wide receiver is Kelvin Benjamin. His number two is yet to show anything Devin Funches. Um, he's got Greg Olson as his, probably his number one target uh, in the passing game. They just brought in Curtis Samuel. Not really sure what kind of an effect he's going to have. They brought in Christian McCaffrey. He's tearing up training camp. But again, um, rookie, I'm not really sure what all to expect from him. And so... I think, me personally, with them bringing in Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, that means that they're they are most certainly moving towards taking Cam away from running the ball himself to take less hits. You can't you can't change game. a lion, bro. No, you well, you can't. But <laughs> I mean, if you can scheme for that, I I don't know. There's I no just, scheme in Cam Newton. He's gonna do what he does. He's an athlete. You can't just teach him not to do that. What do people do? You can train him. You can teach him all you want. Once his instincts take over, he's going to revert to what he does. And what he does is dominate through with his legs and with his arm and the combination of the two. Exactly. That's his entire fantasy value because he can't throw. (laughs) Yes, he can throw. He's got one of the strongest arms in the league. Yeah, but then he'll overshoot his guy by 10 yards. You're talking like he's awful. He is. Okay. 
<laughs> no, I was just giving you a hard time. <laughs> no, he is, he is a good quarterback. I just I just like a lot more quarterbacks ahead of him. And if we're going to argue between him and Marcus Mariota, if you're a defense, you know that the the focal point of the Panthers' offense is Cam Newton. And we saw what what you can do to Cam. Yeah, because he's better. That's why Addison. He's better. No, it's because so of now simply talent around him. based stuff. It's simply talent around him. Marcus Mariota yeah, has so Cam much more Newton's talent. Yeah, Cam Newton's the most talented player on his team. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Sorry that he's that good. Well, these guys uh, sidebar their their argument because this is not going to stop anytime soon. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this first episode of the of the Super Flexible podcast. I want to thank you all for listening and look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thanks, boys. Talking both sides of your mouth now. See you next Another week. Piece of that you just said you don't want to. You don't want Carolina to rely on a rookie. And who's their number one receiving target? Corey Davis.